As the Rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you to this podcast. We have been offering these online services for you every week since the first lockdown began back in March 2020, and we shall continue to do so, particularly since the guidelines relating to live services can still change at short notice. Each service combines archive recordings of our choir and congregational singing with newly recorded readings, intercessions and sermons. Whatever happens, we would like you to know that we keep a candle burning before the altar here every day as a sign of hope, and we give thanks for you all. May the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A very warm welcome to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the second Sunday before Lent. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. 
Let us pray. We say together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We stand for the Gloria. Gloria in excelsis
almighty God, you have created the heavens and the earth and made us in your own image. Teach us to discern your hand in all your works and your likeness in all your children. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit reigns supreme over all things, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from Proverbs, chapter 8, beginning at the first verse. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him, like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the sons of men. This is the word of the Lord.
The epistle is taken from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, beginning at the 15th verse. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, 
and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came for testimony, to bear witness to the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. A few Sundays ago, I was observing how interesting it is that each of the four Gospels begins in a completely different way. St. Mark's, the earliest of them, plunges us straight into the action as we encounter John the Baptist baptising the adult Jesus out in the wilderness, fulfilling a role foretold by the Old Testament prophets. The Gospels of St. Matthew and St. Luke go back further, telling us stories of the birth of the infant Jesus, giving us their very different accounts of that extraordinary event. And then we have the Gospel of St. John and the reading that we heard a moment ago. John's Gospel takes us back much, much further, beyond the dawn of time itself, as he testifies that the Word of God the Christ, was there in the beginning with God. For a number of years, I had the privilege of serving as chaplain to the community of St. John the Divine, the religious order upon, who, upon which the TV series called The Midwife was based. And on several wonderful occasions, I was able to celebrate Midnight Mass with them on Christmas Eve, in their convent chapel. I have powerful memories of hearing these opening verses from St. John read as the Christmas gospel in the quiet stillness of that holy place, darkened and candlelit, as together we marked the coming of the light of Christ into the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Words that leave us in absolutely no doubt that with the coming of Christ, we are engaging with events that are not only remarkable, but of cosmic significance. I'd like you to hang on to that thought for a moment, because I have to say that there is a certain kind of Christian mindset that has always troubled me quite deeply. Namely, 
the approach of those who regard the sole purpose of the church as being entirely and exclusively to turn people into disciples of Jesus. But before I'm struck down by a thunderbolt, I need to make it absolutely clear what I do and do not mean by saying that. It is, of course, absolutely and indisputably the case that, as Christians, we have a God-given mission to share with those around us the astonishing good news of the fullness of life, of the healing and health and salvation that is made available to us through faith in Christ, a gift freely offered to all who in penitence and faith open their hearts to receive him, thanks to the love and the generosity and the grace and the forgiveness of God. None of that is in any doubt. Nor is there any question that the furtherance of God's kingdom begins with the transformation of the human heart that is part and parcel of the personal commitment to Christ that we make when we come to a living faith. No, my problem comes when the act of persuading individual human beings into the Christian fold ends up being the beginning and the end of it, the sole point of the entire exercise, leaving everything else in the vast, glorious, challenging and magnificent tapestry of Christian truth not only sidelined but completely ignored. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Some years ago, I found myself in conversation with a clergyman from a very fundamentalist church who was telling me about the focus of his particular ministry, which aimed to evangelize wealthy young city types, particularly those working in the banking and the financial services industries. How interesting, I said. And I then added very naively, as it turned out. How are you helping them to reflect on the ethics of the worlds they inhabit, the implications of Christian discipleship for the kind of work they're engaged in, and indeed, in relation to their own disproportionately wealthy lifestyles, which I assumed was a fairly obvious and perfectly reasonable kind of question to ask. In response, he looked at me completely blankly, and it became clear that he had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. No, I'm talking about discipling, he said very patiently, addressing me as if I was a three-year-old. I'm just saving their souls. And that is where I start to have a problem because it leads very easily to a complete misrepresentation of the Christian faith as being what Steve Chalk has described as a self-centered discussion of how we as individuals can be put right with God and go to heaven. When evangelism and the life of faith is reduced to that, we are in grave danger of losing sight of the true picture, the full picture, the picture that embraces every aspect of life, the cosmic picture, the biblical picture, the view of salvation that begins with those powerful opening words from St. John's Gospel that could not make it more clear to us that what is at stake here is not 
merely the immortal soul of Fred Bloggs or his next-door neighbour, but rather the whole of life, the universe, and everything. Just as St Paul in Romans chapter 8 describes the whole of creation groaning in travail with the birth pangs of the new era, and creation itself being set free from its bondage to decay, that everything may obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. The American theologian and Mennonite, John Howard Yoder, warned of the dangers of confusing the kingdom of God with the benefits of the kingdom of God. In other words, if I can presume to paraphrase him, it's all very well and good if coming to Christ gives us a purpose in life or helps our sense of loneliness or liberates us from anxiety and guilt or helps us in our moral weakness. But these things are benefits. They are not the gospel because the gospel is the proclamation of a new age begun through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what on earth does that mean? This is how Yoda put it. Jesus gave to the members of that new society that he brought into being a new way to deal with offenders by forgiving them. He gave them a new way to deal with violence by suffering. He gave them a new way to deal with money by sharing it. He gave them a new way to deal with problems of leadership by drawing on the gifts of every member, even the most humble. He gave them a new way to deal with corrupt society by building a new society, not smashing the old. He gave them a new pattern of relationships between man and woman, between parent and child, between master and slave, in which was made concrete a radical new vision of what it means to be a human person. That is why the call to follow Christ promises neither safety nor comfort, particularly for the safe and the comfortable. If anything, quite the opposite, as Jesus was himself quick to point out. But what it does bring is a fullness of life that far exceeds all our imaginings. And it is a life that we share with one another as we travel together and share our life of prayer and our joys and our sorrows as members of Christ's body here on earth. Some years ago, Michael Perham, the former Bishop of Gloucester, now sadly deceased, wrote a book about the Eucharist that had a lasting impact upon me. He observed how we bring to the Eucharist the concerns of our hearts as we offer praise to God in our Eucharistic worship. And yet, the significance of the Eucharist extends far beyond that. What lies at the very heart of our communion service is God's sanctifying power. Through the power of his spirit, God, the source of all holiness, renders holy all that he touches. Bread and wine are rendered holy as they become for us the body of Christ that was given 
and the blood of Christ shed for all, that sins might be forgiven. And so, to quote Michael Perham, in coming with the world on their hearts to the altar, Christian people are recognizing the world's need for redemption and bringing it as far as they are able to the cross where that redemption is found. In that sense, we celebrate the Eucharist for the world. The Eucharist is about so much more than the individual benefits that we feel we might individually receive from it. And more than that, in Perham's view, the church does not set out to evangelize through worship. It sets out to worship, but if worship is authentic, then it will convert. This, of course, leaves us with some very big and searching questions. Questions about our life as a community of faith, as well as our individual lives of discipleship. Questions about the ways in which our lives and our destinies are deeply bound up with the life and the destiny of the whole of creation and everything within it. And as we begin to turn our faces towards Lent and the opportunity for self-reflection that it offers, we might perhaps do well to reflect on such themes. Above all, to call to mind that the call of Christ is, as our reading from Colossians reminds us, to follow him who reconciled all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. 
in the power of the Spirit and in union with Christ. Let us pray to the Father. Let us pray for his church, for our diocese and Sarah our bishop, for our parish and Alison and Jeff, for all who work to ensure our worship is kept alive during the pandemic, for Matthew and Neil. Gracious God, we pray for your blessing to be upon our church, upon our global congregation, and for your presence to be seen vividly in what we do and say each day. We pray that your joy and your love will flow freely in us and through us, so that we might never be seen by those around us as falling short of the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, let us pray for our world, for the people of Myanmar, Israel and Palestine, Syria, for all those seeking a better life and for those who seek to help them. God of love, turn our hearts to your ways and give us peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray for the sick. Loving God, friend of those in need, your Son Jesus can free us from our burdens and heal our bodies and spirits. We pray for those still burdened by the virus, for those seeking healing, and for those we know to be in need at this time. And let us pray for those who care for them, Gracious God, give skill, sympathy and resilience to all who are caring for the sick and your wisdom to those who continue to work towards a cure. Strengthen them with your spirit that through their work many will be restored to health. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray for those who have died. We give thanks in particular for the life of Captain Tom Moore. Merciful God, when death separates us from those we love and we find it hard to live without them, take from us all bitterness and resentment and help us to remember that death has no powers at all over the peace you give and that the love we shared with our departed loved ones goes beyond the grave. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And lastly, Lord, let us pray for ourselves. Heavenly Father, pour down your Spirit on our church. Grant us a new vision of your glory, a new experience of your power, a new faithfulness to your word and a new consecration to your service, that through our renewed witness your holy name may be glorified and your kingdom advanced through Jesus Christ our Lord. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand?
Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, 
which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this, our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, 
but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Let us pray. God our Creator, by your gift the tree of life was set at the heart of the earthly paradise and the bread of life at the heart of your church. May we who have been nourished at your table on earth be transformed by the glory of the Saviour's cross and enjoy the delights of eternity through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.